0: Today's episode of the GoldCast is sponsored by winning. Do you like to win? We do too. Do you like the sweet smell of victory? So do we. Do you like raising your hand in victory, in success, while your opponent's falls in failure and loss? So do we. So if you like victory... And welcome to this week's edition of the Goldcast. Now, before we get started, though, Raymond, why don't you let them know where on earth can they find us?
1: You can like us on Facebook.com slash the Goldcast. And you can also subscribe to us via iTunes, YouTube and Stitcher all under the same moniker of the Goldcast. Be sure to like, subscribe and comment. And if you're on YouTube, be sure to click the little bell so you get notified. Otherwise, you won't get notified when we go live unless you click the little bell.
0: Right. And what has been an increasingly rare occurrence, Raymond, we have a happy 49ers win to talk about today. After that, we're going to get into some thoughts about the draft, especially after seeing tonight's, right, finally, Especially after tonight's game between the Rams and the Bears, which was a great game to watch. We're going to have some talks. We're going to talk about that. And of course, we're going to get into our final rounds of the playoff predicts. But before we begin that, let's have another celebration by going with our beautiful Gold Cast intro. Let's get busy. San Francisco, are you ready? This is the Gold Cast. Boom! Welcome to another edition of the Gold Cast. We are the Voice of the Bay. I'm your host Rudy Suissa Third, and with me is my brother, my co-host Raymond
1: Salista First, baby.
0: Boom! 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 Yes, Raymond. Oh, finally! Thank. Heavens, thank the football gods, the 49er faithful.
1: My God, we have something to smile about today that is 49er related.
0: Finally, something to smile about. Yes, finally, something to smile about. The 49ers have won a game against a frisky, albeit not the greatest Denver team, but a frisky Denver team that was coming in on a three-game win streak they were six and six they lost their center lost their starting wide receiver had a couple holes and the 49ers were able to take advantage and really make a go of it and here we go 49ers win 20 to six and I'll tell you what this is an interesting game we actually have a live report from Levi Stadium today so, our father, the uh, the unofficial third member of the Gold Cast, Rudy Solis Jr., was at the game today with Mama Solis Jr. They were at the game. And when they were watching the game, they, my dad said, the ratio of Denver to San Francisco fan was about 40%. It was 60-40 in favor of the Niners, but 40%. Was actually Denver fans. He said Denver was on defense, and they were start. They were chanting defense chants. He said at first he was really disappointed. He was really frustrated with the San Francisco faithful. He just expected more out of them, and then, then he said everything started to go down as the Niners began to come back. To to not not come back, but to make that big run and they did in the first half and then hold on through the fourth quarter. It got quieter and quieter and the 49er faithful got louder and louder and louder and then it ended. And he said it felt like a 49er stadium again but that when he first got there, there was orange everywhere. And he said the ratio was almost half. He said 60-40 and he was real upset during these defense chants. He thought, where is the 49er faithful? But lo and behold, they held strong And they came back and the Niners, the 49er faithful, cheered this team on to victory. And I was just so happy to see this team hold on. So, Raymond, why don't you tell me you're the greatest fan of this in the game. Tell me what you saw on what was a great, great Sunday to be a 49er fan.
1: Well, the first thing that really stood out to me was the fact that the defense held on to actually close out a game and didn't give it up because in the first half, Denver didn't have an answer for our offense, in particular, George Kittle. And in the second half, that became a big fat zero. Couldn't run the ball, couldn't pass the ball. So the onus was really on the defense to really hold Denver for the next two quarters and keep the game out of reach, which they did successfully. And I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that We were actually getting pressure while it didn't necessarily amount into a whole lot of sacks. We only had two sacks. DJ Reed, who had an outstanding game, he led the team in tackles, total tackles and assists. He had 10, the next closest person, which was Richard Sherman with five, but he had a sack and three TFLs, tackles for losses. And that's huge. So Marcel Harris, he's kind of he's another you know younger guy that's been brought up you know from just to fill in the void of of our long list of injuries, and he chipped in too. He had five tackles. He had two TFLs. Ronald Blair uh, made his name made his name known again. He had a tackle, or I'm sorry, a tackle and a TFL. So you know that adds up. That means that's like six TFLs. That means that the running game is was you know could never get established on Denver side of the ball. And with Case Keenum, who's a decent quarterback, he's a serviceable quarterback, but this is a guy undrafted just like Nick Mullins who has worked his way up, played really well for Minnesota last year, and then found himself with an $18 million a year contract in Denver. and But without a running game, and with enough pressure to disrupt his timing, we were really able to keep This offense at bay and this is not the greatest offense in the world, but we've actually faced offenses that are statistically worse and have allowed them to beat us. So the fact that we held on here, I think, says a lot about the defense's ability to just kind of stick in there and keep it together. So and that's great. Um, I think losing Foster certainly does suck, but I feel like they've definitely got someone in Fred Warner who leads the team in tackles this year. Which is amazing. He also leads the team in pass deflections as a middle linebacker. So he's got great speed, great coverage speed. He's got a nose for the football and against the run. Um, so this is a guy that can really become a premier inside linebacker, you know. And he also plays doesn't play as reckless as Foster too. His technique is more sound and polished. He's not just he's not not to say that Foster's recklessness was a total loss on his end, but uh, you know, Fred Warner wraps wraps around you know, offensive players. And he when he gets a guy, you know, there's a good chance he's going to bring him down because of the way he wraps players and ta- his tackling technique is very good. So defensively, I thought just thought it was great. And it wasn't, it, I mean, coverage was great at times. Coverage is also not great at times. But when you have, when the front seven is able to do their job, then, you know, you're going to have a lot of pass disruptions, pass deflections. And then sacks and hurries and stuff like that. So as long as once we get an edge rusher to complement DeForest Buckner, who's most likely going to go to the Pro Bowl, he has nine sacks. He didn't have a sack today, but he did play well. And once he crosses the, the 10 mark, which I believe he will within the next three games, he's gonna get at least one to two more sacks. As an interior lineman with no help on that line, I think it's I think it's pretty telling as far as what his talent level is. The fact that he can do that on this on this type of front seven I think that says a lot about him so once we get a complimentary edge rusher I think that'll help out Solomon Thomas that'll help out Eric Armstead who's been healthy all year for the first time in his pro career which is great because that's what he needed um, that's what's been held in them back this whole time. So the fact that he's been able to stay in there, although he doesn't quite have the numbers that DeForest Buckner does, he's still a threat in there. And if he can polish his, you know, having a whole season under his belt of health is going to be huge for him going into next year. And, Overall, I think this was a great effort, a great defensive effort. That's what stuck out to me, that and George Kittle. George Kittle was a one-man show on offense. He's definitely going to the Pro Bowl, so I think we're going to end the year with at least two Pro Bowl selections in George Kittle and DeForest Buckner. So that'll be nice to have representations on both sides of the football. But uh, that's what I saw. I'm not sure what the game looked like on your end, but um, that's my take.
0: Oh, man. George Kittle is so good. He is so good. Good at football. He's ridiculous. He's a beast. Ridiculous, one hundred percent. He's so good at football. Oh my god, he's so fast. He's so fast for a tight end. He's very hard to to keep down, and he just—I mean—he just bulldozes his way through those defenses. He is so exciting to watch. I, he, you know, he's got speed similar to that of a wide receiver. He but his his um his his running after the catch it you know what it kind of reminds me of a little bit. I haven't I haven't seen a tight end who's done it like this in a 49er uniform in a long time. But he kind of reminds me he got a little bit of that Brent Jones. He's a lot faster than Brent Jones, but he has that Brent Jones. Like Brent Jones was hard to tackle. He was a beast. Like he was just hard to take down. And when, when he had that ball and he just went, you just you just couldn't rap against him. He just bulldozed his way through defenses. And Kittle has that. Kittle is like a faster. Brent Jones, which I think is a terrifying description of a player. Like, oh, think of Brent Jones if he was even faster.
1: Right. Who who was a four-time pro bowler in his heyday, too. So so that's that's pretty telling.
0: Yeah, he was also up for um, the Hall of Fame this year, but didn't get past the second round, which is, which is okay. We're going to get him in there the next round. We're going to get him in there because Brent Jones deserves to be in the Hall. Yeah, that would be awesome if he could get into the Hall. Hell yeah. So, Kittle is incredible. Fred Warner definitely definitely has made his impact felt 100%. I love Buckner and I agree the defense was really able to put pressure on. So let me ask you this, Ray. Here's a question. Did Ruben Foster going down did that open the door? You know, how sometimes you're always an injury or two away from from being a really good team. Did Ruben Foster force his defense to get more creative?
1: Um, I don't know if it forced them to get more creative so much as it forced them to really step up their game. I mean, Fed Warner was already on pace to do what he's been doing. You know, he's got 92 total uh, tackles on the year. That's 46 more than the next best player on, def- on defense, which, it, by the way, is DeForest Buckner. So that's saying quite a bit about Fred Warner's presence on the football field, against the run, against the pass. Like I said, you know, he doesn't have any sacks, but he's got three TFLs on the year. He's got six pass deflections on the year. The next closest person is uh, Anton Exum Jr. with five, and then I think uh, Akella Witherspoon and Richard Sherman each have four apiece. But uh, Richard Sherman's is a little is is a little bit different because people aren't throwing to him, so they don't throw to him because his coverage is so damn good. And that's why he had, doesn't have as many as, as uh, you would think a player of his caliber. But he's, people just aren't challenging him because he just shuts down that side of the field most of the time he's there. So, And I think when he makes the transition to safety, I think that'll really, that'll really solidify the third level of the secondary. It certainly helps to have him there at the second level, doing, especially in man coverage. He does it so well. But when he makes the transition to safety, which I think is coming, it might come as soon as next year. He might do one more year at corner and then move to safety, though. If, if, <laughs> if I had to put money on it, I would say perhaps he goes one more year at corner and then moves to safety next year. But that's something that he's, he knows he's open to as far as extending his career because he wants to play five more seasons. So the only way that that's going to happen realistically, you know, for him to be like an actual viable player, to have to have a viable presence on the field, I think he's going to have to move to safety, which I think will, will be good for him. I think, in fact, I think he'll go to the Pro Bowl again if he does that. Um, but, but yeah, I don't, I don't necessarily think they're getting more It seems like they're doing the exact same thing. People, they just play, they just happen to play better. And perhaps they're at, they're also at a time of the year they're out of the playoffs. They know they're out of the playoffs, so there's that pressure is gone. Now they're just kind of playing with the pressure of just like we just got to play. And we're playing spoiler now, so it's 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 a pressureless game for them, which is a different mindset, obviously. But you're actually trying to put pressure on the other opponent, and that's actually kind of fun, especially for uh, defenses. You know, because you're trying to stop them from getting to the into a into a tournament that you're no, you're no longer eligible for.
0: Yeah, well. I love the idea of Richard Sherman at safety. I wish it would happen next year. I just love the, he's already, can I just say this? I Words I never thought I would say in my entire life. I fucking love Richard Sherman. He's so good.
1: <laughs> he is really good. It's different seeing him. On, he's on, really you know, good. In our uniform, <laughs> playing week in and week out. I'm like, dang, he is really good before. I didn't used to give him the same amount of credit. Cause I was like, man, this guy just got a big mouth and you know, He's he's in the right he's been, he's in the right place in the right right time but you know that's just you know jealous fan talk for the most part but now that we've actually i actually get to see him play every single week um, you realize how good he actually is he'll make a great he's great. coach he's really good if he ever decides to do that
0: yeah he he's really good man he is really good uh, he's so impressive to watch. And after such a devastating injury, an injury that is, I mean, God, to me, it's worse than an ACL tear. He has really, because it's just really hard to come back from, he has really found his form again. I love Richard Sherman. Richard Sherman, I love you. I just wanted to let you know that. I love you. You've done a great job for us. I never thought I would say that. I never thought I'd ever be sitting here on the Goldcast talking about how good Richard Sherman looks in a red and gold uniform. But he does, and this is great. This, by the way, the classic just red jersey with the gold pants. We're getting way off subject here. But I said this several times when I was watching the game today. I was like, you know, this is my all-time favorite. They have the stripe down the leg. I actually prefer not the stripe. I like it even really stripped down like the way it was in the 80s, like just super simple. Uh, But, you know, they kind of like to jazz everything up nowadays. But he looks really good in that red and gold uniform and that's my favorite 49er uniform is the one they wore today. That of course, the classic, classic just the red jersey with the gold pants. Well, the stripe in the 80s, I like the stripe. I like the stripe. Sometimes they didn't have the stripe. I don't know, I couldn't tell you what years, but I've seen I've seen I've seen games where they didn't have the stripe. And I like I like the stripe. The stripe is cool. I got no issue with it, but I like even the stripped down of just the simplicity of the old school one, but I do. He look, and Richard Sherman going back to it. Richard Sherman looks really good in a 49er jersey. And I never thought I would say it, but he's really good at football. I would love for him to make that transition. I just he already is such a leader. The idea of him being at free safety, just commanding the entire defense from that position, overseeing everything. God, it just I just can't think of a better place for Richard Sherman. I know this conversation's already begun. I really would like to see that transition happen next year. But the defense Really stepped it up. I mean, how many more clips of Robert Sala were they going to show today? <laughs> Every other clip was him clapping and high-fiving the team. I was like, man, this is the most clips I've ever seen of Robert Sala during a game.
1: <laughs> he's got to feel pretty happy on him. I know that there's... Uh, well, he's playing for his job. Who prob- are we kidding? Exactly. There's there's pressure. He's got pressure for sure. So I know he feels it. So to have a game... And technically, I mean, statistically, they are better. They're just, they just haven't gotten better at the... In the scoring category, this defense still is 27th in the league and you know, points allowed from opponents. So while they've gotten statistically better on the run and the pass and the total yards, they're now middle of the road. They're more than middle of the road. So middle of the road would be like 15th. They're past that. They're 11th, 12th, and 13th um, in those categories. So they have improved. You know that that's that that's it's hard to fire a guy when you've made cases like that. But if you continue to be shitty and you know, a category that is most detrimental, meaning the opponent's scoring ability, then, then, you know, I think the pressure's still on for your job. So he knows that. And to have a game like today is certainly helpful. If they can get a miraculous win against Seattle next week, I think that'll, you know, definitely solidify him staying on another year. You know, but if we get blown out from here on out, I think that'll certainly, it won't, it's not going to end the conversation of, is Robert Sala the right man uh, talk? You know, that that's going to
0: Louder, well, let's talk about that just a little bit here. So, we had the garbage bowls, and we disappointingly, I really thought we were going to win no exaggeration. I thought we were going to win just a disaster of a run. It was a disaster of a run. I thought we were going to beat, I thought we were going to win four in a row. I thought we were going to beat Arizona, Raiders, New York, and uh, Tampa, and I thought we were going to take all those games, and then instead. We get dismantled by everybody but the Raiders and beat the Raiders with the third-string quarterback. Didn't make any sense. Now here we go going into we now we are the Blood Bowls. We we the first game was a bludgeoning. It was the bloodiest of the Blood Bowls could possibly how but the bloodiest the Blood Bowls could possibly be. And then today we beat Denver in a surprising and dominating fashion. And now we have three more Blood Bowls. We've got. Seattle, home for Seattle, home for Chicago, and then at Los Angeles. I don't know if I'm going to that game this year because I don't want to be in that stadium for my last game of the year with Louie if this damn team loses. But the first, I don't know. I'm saying is we had a horrible garbage bowls. It would be great to end the blood bowls with some 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 dignity. That's all. That's all I'm hoping for. That's all I'm, I'm, I'm hoping we just end them with some dignity. We're gonna look ahead to the to the game with Seattle next week in a little bit. But first, let's move on, Raymond. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts. I have some thoughts for you. We uh we had some questions, but now I've got some thoughts tonight. We're recording this on Sunday, December 9th. Tonight was a huge game. L.A. Rams on the road against Chicago. Chicago Bears. The Bears. This was one of the number one offenses going against the number one baddest defense on the planet. Managed by... God, it's like watching an X. It's like seeing an ex do so well somewhere else, like she's got a new man, she loves this guy, she's crazy about this guy, she hangs out with this guy, it's the worst feeling. And that's what it feels like when I see Vic Fangio with his new toy Cleo Mac over there in Chicago doing their thing, I get really sad because I miss Vic Fangio, and I miss him being here, and I wish he was here because I, when I see him over there having so much fun and winning games, it just hurts me. But the Rams and the Bears tonight was a huge test of the Bears and where are they in terms of this league, this new league with the new rules in terms of you know really not being able to put a lot of pressure on quarterbacks, but they have... Do can defenses still win games in the modern NFL.
1: They are elite. That's what I saw. They're elite. Not just any defense. That's an elite
0: defense. That is elite. I am Raymond. Exactly. I am happy to report that this team is elite. That defense dismantled the Los Angeles Rams defenses still win games in 2018. And if you can put together a defense like that, remember we had the conversation, Raymond, we had the conversation about the draft two weeks ago. I'm going to link it right now. If you're on YouTube, listening to this on YouTube, you'll be able to see this This one. This was two weeks ago, week 12.
1: I don't think Chicago would be who they, in their position today had they not traded for Khalil Mack.
0: Agreed. 100%. 100%. He was the game
1: changer. It wouldn't be 8-4. It wouldn't be 8-4. Not even close.
0: No, no. And you know what? Going back to what you talked about last two weeks ago when we were just having this discussion, if you're the GM of the 49ers right now and you have an opportunity to get the Saquon Barkley of next year or the Alvin Kamara of next year for Kyle Shanahan or you have an opportunity to get the Khalil Mack of next year for Robert Sala, I, I still think you got to, I think you, I think you're right. I think you got to go Khalil Mack. I really think you do, especially with the, where deep, where offenses are this, this, in this era, this year, and where they're going to be for the next, who knows how many years you have to get the Khalil Max of the world. How do you feel? Are you more convinced now? You're the GM. You're on the clock.
1: Well, you see what happens when you have, when you have, an, when you have an elite pass rusher. It's, he's a total game changer. An elite pass rusher changes everything because that type of player helps every level. He helps the rest of the front seven look good. He helps the second level linebackers look good. He helps the third level secondary look good because you disrupt the chiming of the quarterback. What happened? What happened to all that pressure with Jared Goff? It led to like, what, four picks? I think he had four picks on the day. That's what that leads to. It, it always starts at the line of scrimmage. So if you find someone who's elite that can play at that level, then it's a it's a trickle-down effect. It just makes every, everyone else on that defense play better. I mean, they got to be good, too, and they have to have a semblance of talent as well. But it, it makes their job so much more easier, just like how Jimmy Garoppolo impacts the offense the way he does. He, he makes everyone better because of how important that position is. That 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 edge rusher is so important. That's what made Justin Smith who Justin Smith was. That's what helped. I mean, Patrick Willis was already elite before we got an Alden Smith, but him and Bowman, it just made them made them better. I mean, they were already they're they're Pro Bowlers, and our secondary had like two or three Pro Bowlers in that first year in 2011. I mean, that was all. That was all because we had a terrific pass rush. Without that, it's really hard to do. Really, really hard to do. So if you, if, if I, if even even after, you know, knowing what, what Barkley's about, which, and Barkley's, you know, he's the next, he's the next, uh, the current generation of the Todd Gurley's and the Alvin Kamara's. He's that dual threat halfback. But even if I had him staring at me in the face and I knew he was going to become that good, I would still get an elite edge rusher. Because those guys, those halfbacks, will not perform as well against elite defenses like Chicago. It just doesn't happen. And in the playoffs, when we're just left with the best defenses and the best offensives, those offenses are not going to be putting up 40, 50 points. They might get away with it maybe a game, with one game, but they're not going to be doing it week in and week out and it's already starting to happen. You're seeing New Orleans putting up less points. Kansas City barely got by this week. So, we're seeing that. We're seeing defenses catch up and the the really good ones are going to going to take these guys to school almost every time just because of that front seven. You stop the run, you stop a team from being doing what they're supposed to do, you know, you make them a one-trick pony and Jared Goff Jared Goff can't carry a team with his arm because Todd Gurley's the one who carries that team offensively
0: so pass rush it's true it's true very similar to like the Ezekiel what Ezekiel Elliott is to Dak Prescott and the Cowboys Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. exactly yeah, so it was it was very uh, it, it reminded me of the conversation we had a couple weeks ago, and very much you do have to go Cleo Mack. I mean that is that is the piece. I reminds me of the Smith brothers. Man, I miss the Smith brothers. Watching watching Chicago's defense, it reminds me. It just I, I like was getting Harbaugh flashbacks. I go, God, I remember that team. That was that defense was one of my all time favorite Forty Nine er defenses ever. Patrick Wills, Navarro, Bowman, Alden Smith, Justin Smith. Oh my God, that team was so ridiculous. Our front seven was so nasty during the Harbaugh era. It was crazy. It was so intimidating. Teams were scared as hell to play us. Those guys were just destruction. They were quarterback nightmares were built on those 49ers, those Harbaugh Vic Fangio 49er defenses. And watching uh, Fangio over there in Chicago, it brings me flashbacks. It just our beautiful X. What a how far the mighty have fallen. But congratulations to Chicago and I think it really reinforces what you were talking about during week twelve. We have to get a pass rusher. We have to get a defense. It still matters in today's NFL more than ever I think it matters in today's NFL because the rules lend themselves to high-powered offenses so much now more than ever. So, and I'm hearing, we're going to talk about, we're, we're, we have plenty of time to talk about this, but I'm hearing this draft has is, is got some, uh, some great picks at that position. So we shall see. But Raymond, this now reminds me Going into our playoff predicts. Boom, baby. Playoff predicts. It's back again. Now, to recap where we were, we were, Raymond, you had the Chiefs, the Pats, the Steelers, and then last week you added the Texans to the post. You also, on the NFC side, you had the Rams, the Saints the Washington professional t- football team, and the Chicago Bears. I had the Pats, the AFC side, Pats, Chiefs, Steelers, and the Texans, almost exact same order, except I chose the Pats the first week. Then I had a similar order but inverse. I had the Rams, the Saints, the Bears, the Cowboys, our big difference being Washington, and Dallas you had chosen Washington i had chosen Dallas now let's pick two wild it was
1: playing great before alex smith snapped his leg in half
0: that was it hey trust me i would have chosen two had alex smiths leg not g- g- gone down in half i'm with it you it was before it was
1: before that week
0: it ha- it,
1: had that not happened i think they'd still be great now they're 6 and 7 so you know that's that makes a huge difference so i don't uh i think it was a good choice at the time but that was before you know had i known he was gonna that was gonna happen i would have picked a different team but you see how big we'll see what big of a difference you know the quarterback makes and alex smith for all his struggles he's a winning quarterback now and now he's out of the picture washington's probably not going to make the playoffs
0: well you know what and and actually sadly enough Alex Smith's career might be over that uh that injury was pretty devastating and it's not looking good right now so I hope he's back I really love Alex Smith and uh I'm just bummed that this guy could just this uh extremely rich every time I will say this every time I'm like oh I feel bad for Alex Smith I do have to remind myself that this man has negotiated so much money From the 49ers the Chiefs and Washington. This guy is a Millionaire so many times over I go go, you know, I don't feel too bad for you. Mr. Millionaire mr. Millionaire bucks buckaroos, so but Now Raymond, I'm pretty sure he's in
1: the hundred million dollar range accumulated so even though that injury might suck and you might not play again He
0: he's he's gonna gonna find a way he will be now Raymond Time for our next round of playoff predicts. Raymond, tell me your first AFC wild card choice. Who's going in?
1: Uh I'm gonna have to put my money on the Colts.
0: Oh.
1: Uh, and, and that's because they got Andrew Luck. Andrew Luck is a fighter. He's he's the best quarterback out of the teams that are in the hunt. Out of all the teams that are in the hunt, he's the best quarterback out of that group. So if if I got to lean on someone for for one particular attribute, it it have to be the quarterback,
0: and that quarterback is happens to play Ooh, for the Colts. The Colts, 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 six and six. We shall see. All right, now who's your wild card for the NFC? They won today. They did. Who's who's uh who's your NFC wild card?
1: Oh gosh, this group. <laughs> All of these teams have losing records, but again, if I have to go with a, the team that probably has the best chance because of their quarterback, I don't think it's the Packers. They're five and seven with a tie, and even though they have Aaron Rodgers, it's going to be pretty tough for them to climb three spots. They'd have to win every game from here on out in order to do that, and even then, they're just they would just end with an eight and seven record. So it's between the Panthers and Eagles. You know, Cam's been there, uh, and Wentz. I like Wentz a lot.
0: Wait, wait! Panthers and Eagles over, and not the not the Seahawks and Vikings.
1: Uh, well, well, for wild card round. Oh, that's right, wild card round. So wild card round. Yeah, I would say I'd say Cowboys have the best shot.
0: Well, but Cowboys are gonna. Cowboys have already taken. They've. They're. They're the. They're the conference champs of the of the uh, NFC East right now, so they wouldn't get the they they already have their division. I'm talking about the but they haven't clinched. They haven't clinched. Yeah, I mean, I guess you have to you have already put Washington in that spot, so you have I guess you have to you would have to put Cowboys in your wild card spot. I mean,
1: they're out. They're I mean, Washington's out. So I got to put on another team. So you know, maybe Vikings if Vikings hang on to win tomorrow. I think they got a shot at the wild card. Seahawks are in a wild card position, so it's between Vikings and Seahawks. I'd probably go with Russell Wilson and Seahawks. On the AFC side, I know I like the Colts, but there are teams that are in better positions, you know, but Steelers Steelers are really weird where they look so elite one game and then they just put up a stinker the next game. And I just can't figure them out. You know, and I think Chargers are gonna do well. They're gonna They lost they lost today. I know to Oakland. So that, that's what I mean. I you know. And the Texans, it's, it's hard to, I mean, the Texans are going to, I think they're going to do well. They have a great record. So I think they'll be fine. But, um, you know, I like the Colts more than I'd like the Ravens, you know, the chargers will have a higher seating. So I think, um, I mean, if the playoffs started today, it's, it's Ravens, Texans, Chargers, Steelers, you know, and the Colts are technically still in the hunt. You know, and then if, if if and on the NFC side it'd be Bears, Vikings, Seahawks, Cowboys. So I'm definitely taking the Seahawks because I think that's a no brainer on out of those four teams. And on the AFC side, I I like the Colts more than the Ravens. And Texans are playing good defense right now, and that's what's keeping them into the game. Defense, hello, Texans in Chicago. Though that's their their records are a result of them playing sound defense, not the other way around they play they play just good enough offense their defense probably scores you know a percentage of the time too and that's one of the reasons but uh, i guess on the afc side i mean chargers are sure i think they're sure fire they're at 10 and 3 you know I, even if they lost the next three games 10 6 yeah but it's, they're still in and kc's already got the top spot so they can't couldn't get the buy.
0: but hold that hold that hold that last wild card spot for next week Hold that but but you already said the Colts so just hold, hold hold by your Colts I think that's a good choice you still have your next week is your last wild card spot so if you think in Chargers hold that for next week
1: we'll stick with Andrew luck
0: yeah I think that's a good choice for you so for me I am gonna go with the LA team that's worth rooting for the Los Angeles Chargers I actually said that in a uh, in our fantasy group, that because uh, I knew it would just drive Louie crazy, I said, "I said, hey, finally an LA team we can all root for, huh?" <laughs> and Louis was super offended. <laughs> but so, I think the LA Chargers are badass. I think they're super good. I really enjoy watching them. Excellent balance of defense and offense. Philip Rivers is a champ. Philip Rivers is somebody that I would love to see go to the Super Bowl. I, that guy should have a ring. I would have killed for Philip for Philip Rivers to have been a 49er quarterback. I, killed. We would have, we, seriously, we would have won Super Bowls. This guy, that guy should have five Super Bowls. I'm not even exaggerating. He is that good. He is really good. Not maybe not five. Five is a, a bit much. <laughs> that's, that's like Joe Montana Tom Brady era. Um, but I'm saying he should at least have one or two Super Bowls. He is so good. I love. The Chargers. I love their defense. I love their offense. This team has been on destruct mode um, most of the season. Just a dominant team. I'm going with the AFC Chargers. the The Los Angeles Chargers for the AFC. And for my NFC pick, this is tough. It is a real tight race. It's anybody's guess. And tomorrow's game... Is really going to determine some possible. It's going to have some major wildcard implications, and it's a tough pick. But I'm going to say, begrudgingly, frustratingly, annoyingly, I, I think I have to give it to stupid Seattle Seahawks. The fucking Seattle Seahawks. I don't want to give it to them. You know what I keep hearing, and this drives me nuts. I keep hearing how, oh, man, Seattle's a team no one...
1: They have the best quarterback in that group. They
0: do. They do have the best quarterback in this group. It's 100%. And the thing I keep hearing is everyone keeps talking about, oh, Seattle, that's like the one team no one wants to wants to face in the playoffs. Really? Is that really a thing? I I really don't agree. I think if Seattle has to go on the road anywhere, this is... it. I would want to play. I, exactly. I was saying same thing. if I was New Orleans or L.A., I am licking my chops at the idea of Seattle having to come to town and play me. I'm like, please, give me Seattle. They always say this every year. It was the same year that they barely beat Minnesota on that fluke missed kick by, by Minnesota's kicker back in that ice game um, from like 2014 or 2015. I can't remember which year it was. And it was like, oh, you know, Seattle's a team no one wants to see in the playoffs. Really? No one cares about Seattle. It's like not a thing in 2018. I they say that every time, and it's like it is like nails on a chalkboard to my ears. Every time I hear it, I'm like, shut up! This is not a thing. But those are my choices. Seattle, unfortunately, is in. Chargers are in. We have one more week of playoff predicts, and then we will we will be we will be done for this year so we'll see we always like to end it a little early to see if we're right because like it's it's not fun it did by the end you're just picking teams that are already being told but this is good i like it so moving on raymond to our final section of the evening it is time to look forward to the next bloodbath bowl seattle at san francisco so raymond As always, tell me, what has Vegas decided is the proper line for this game? Who's favored to win and by how many points? How much does Vegas believe in us after this win today? And Seattle's still in its dominating run for the end of the season here. Tell me, where do you think Vegas put the line?
1: Uh, I'd say eight points.
0: Eight points, not bad.
1: In favor of Seattle.
0: In favor of Seattle, I knew that. that. You know, it's funny. I read. Unfortunately, I read your mind. I knew exactly what you what, what you meant there. Luckily, Raymond, you're wrong, but not by much. <laughs> the, the The Seattle Seahawks, <laughs> the, the Seattle Seahawks are favored by five and a half points. Now, the question is, Raymond, do you take that bet?
1: I think you do because I just don't. I don't think this team is good enough to carry the momentum of this win into next week against uh, against seattle i mean i could be wrong and i would love to be wrong i was wrong about this game so i'd love to be wrong about next week but i think you got to take that bet and i think you got to take the over i think it's it's got it's going to be a touchdown not five and a half i mean my 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 original gut instinct was six points but then i went with eight because i was like i don't know six doesn't two field goals doesn't seem i don't think the game would be that close
0: that's a bummer as I often say on these days when you, when you make that guess, I hope you're wrong. All due respect. I do hope you're wrong, and I hope the 49ers win. So let us see. We, we shall see. And lastly, what say you guys? What say you? After watching all the games this week, if we have the opportunity, do we pick up the Saquon Barkley or the Khalil Mack of next year? I want to know what you think. Let us know in the comments. Pop hop, pop, on over and uh, drop us a message in the comments. YouTube, let us know. Tell us what you think. Do we pick up the Saquon Barkley of next year or the Khalil Mack? Raymond and I say Mack, 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 all dressed in black. So why don't you tell us what you say? All right. Before we leave, Ray, why don't you let them know where can they find you?
1: The best place is probably Twitter. That's at Ray Solis. R-A-Y-S-O-L-I-S.
0: Boom. And then you can find me on Instagram at Rudy Solis3. And on Twitter at Rudy Solis3rd. So concludes another edition of the Goldcast. We are the voice of the Bay. I'm your host, Rudy Solis III. And with me is my brother, my co-host. Raymond Solis the first, baby. Boom. We'll see you next time. Same gold cast time, same gold cast channel. This
1: is, this is the gold cast.